0: Hi, I'm Kanika, and you're listening to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, where I interview public figures on their life lessons in parenting, legacy, and built in sixth sense. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland, and you're checking out That's Total Mom Sense. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and my experience on That's Total Mom Sense was fantastic. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Thank you to my guests, brand partners, community, and you for making this show possible. Episodes release every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and by following me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. So many of you know, I was born in India and my parents immigrated to the US when I was two. I grew up in Kolaba, a district of South Bombay or Mumbai, and my parents made sure to get my admission into the prestigious cathedral school when I was just a few weeks old. That's how competitive it is. In my adulthood, I moved to Bombay to work as a television journalist for CNN and felt even more connected to my mom, whose roots were there. I would call her gleefully when I walked along the Kalaba Causeway, bartering with vendors, which I got very good at, by the way. After I did an expose in Deheri, which is the largest slum in the world, with over 1 million residents, post-slumdog millionaire's Oscar win, and when the Bandra Worli Sea Link was built, minimizing thousands of commuting hours to the suburbs, and when I enjoyed meeting all of our extended family members and friends each week. Now, as a mother myself, I am curious as to how the children's curriculum, schooling, and programming is being done in my birth city, and wanted to find a way to bridge the gap with the Indian diaspora here in the States. Enter Rajna Makarand Narvikar. Rachna is a mother of two, an accomplished children's educator and a remedial therapist. She runs a children's experiential learning center and library based out of Bombay, where all activities are created to support social, emotional, physical, and cognitive development. Her endeavor has always been to make optimum use of toys and educational equipment to help children engage in meaningful experiences. Rushna is a curriculum and pedagogy expert at Playdate, which is a platform that helps parents discover activities, classes, events, and learning-based products for their kids. With a community of over 80,000 parents, Playdate has become the go-to platform for them to make informed decisions on all facets concerning their kids. Thanks to founder, Anaga Rajadaksha, we are creating authentic ways to collaborate and build a unified community. I have gotten to know Rachna at length, and she's helped me better understand how to relate to my three kids, and I'm so excited that you all get to hear from her today. Rachna,
1: welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you so much, Kanika, and congratulations on all the wonderful work that you're doing yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's a
0: joy to have you on. I want to start with the big coincidence that we discovered when we first connected, and It really was serendipity. Um, So I mentioned I was born in Colaba and I stayed in a building called Brady's Flats. And where do you stay? Brady's (laughs) (laughs) Flats. I mean, it's how amazing is that I have goosebumps. I mean, you know, that really doesn't happen often out of everyone in the world we can connect with. Exactly. And finding someone who was where I was. One in a hundred yeah. chances of that happening for sure. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's sure. why it's just meant to be, meant to be that we've connected and are working together. So um, both
1: Punjabis. I was, I, with, yeah. I was yeah. with, before marriage. So yes, now married to my marriage. But yeah, we're both Punjabis as well. So there's another connect there. I love that. I love that
0: if we were sitting together we'd be eating an aloo parantha or, or um, <laughs> <laughs> rajma chawal together so let's start with your childhood i want to have the listeners glean a little bit about where you come from
1: so i'm born and brought up in bombay in south bombay i went to a school in colaba as well And Kanika, I'm really blessed because I had an extremely blessed childhood with supportive parents, an older sister. You are an older sister. So, again, there you will um, understand what it means to have someone who's always had your back. And she continues to have my back till date. And my parents and my sister have been my biggest supporters. Um, I have done multiple things after i graduated from school um and all of those multiple uh, professions that i sort of you know stuffed under my hat, uh, have uh, helped me to get and become who i am today i was A little bit of an introvert when I was a child. But having said that, I was also very active. My mind was always, um, you know, moving from one thing to another. And I was always experimenting and trying things. And I think that sort of laid the foundation for my creative and thinking per se to do whatever I'm doing today. And uh, yeah, I'm just really, really lucky. I don't have many... Memories of my childhood, which were, you know, uh, scarred or marred by anything. I just think I had very supportive parents, extremely supportive grandparents. I spent most of my childhood in Delhi and Jolendhal, which is um, is in Punjab. Again, I'm sure you have a connect there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So I had a very fulfilling childhood. I'm very grateful and happy for that.
0: That's wonderful. I love it. Um, And now you're recreating that for families everywhere. How did you get into what you're doing now? Take us on your career path.
1: So I don't think that when I started off, becoming an educator was on the cards at all. I graduated from school and I went to the prestigious HR College of Commerce, again in South Mumbai. I actually did want to get into Xavier's College, which is an arts college, but as luck would have it and fate would have it, I was getting in there, but I was made to sort of go into a commerce stream and um i did that and i did successfully fairly well there as well kanika i did graduate with and honors in um, marketing and advertising and i did land two jobs there as well um, dabbled in it for a year but i don't know if it was my heart not being in it completely or just the situation i just chanced upon a course that a friend was doing at um sophia college in mumbai mm-hmm. And they used to run this early childhood care and education course back then. I did that course and I think that's what changed it all for me. Also, like they say, having a perfect educator or a supportive educator um, in your uh, path of learning makes a difference. And actually that was my teacher an educator who was doing the course, was conducting the course. She was one of the major reasons for me wanting to pursue that. And yes, before I had completed, I had two jobs, one with an NGO and one with a mainstream nursery. So I decided to go ahead and pursue that professionally. Before that, I actually also did a course on fashion designing. So I am a a uh, qualified fashion designer as well. But again, like I said earlier, everything that I have done and multiple things that I have learned have helped me to, you know, sort of incorporate that and use that to our um, benefit in, in, in my everyday work today. So that's how I landed up being an educator.
0: Wow. Wow. I love it. I mean, we can never connect the dots going forward. Oftentimes it's a circuitous route, but when you find your calling, you just feel like, huh, This is what I was meant to do all along. Tell us about your motherhood journey, because surely that informs
1: your work as well. You know, I often get told off that I can't see the difference between the two. (laughs) I I, I don't think uh, either of the two worlds would uh, exist if um, the other one wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So I am a proud mother of two girls. Uh, My older one is Raya, and she is 15 years old. And my younger one is Radheema, and she's going to be 10 years old. So when I I was pregnant with Rhea, uh, I worked till my eighth month. And then I was made to give up both my jobs <laughs> at that point, saying, now you've got to, you know, just just relax and be there for your child and for yourself. And so I did. And I didn't actually go back to work, Kanika, until she was three years old. In that time, uh, I did so much research. And like I always say, uh, poor thing, she was my guinea pig. <laughs> But yeah. in a good way. <laughs> but definitely in a good way because um, you know I would bring out new toys, new techniques. I was researching a lot, reading a lot, and so she was a very important part of all of that research and all of those findings that I have that I use till date. And then five years later, I had my younger one. When Rhea was about three years old, I you know tried to go back to work, but you know how it is that sometimes you feel like it's probably not the right time or the right thing to do so we had a garage in our building I just started taking her down there to play because you know I had bought her so many things from puzzles to books to toys that I just didn't know where to put them anymore you know I invited one friend's daughter and another one and another one and then we eventually had like six or seven children every evening playing with us in that garage and then one of my friends just said, hey, listen, you can't keep doing this for free every day, you know. And I said, no, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm with my daughter and I'm more than happy to have everybody else join in as well. And then obviously the space became less. And I said, maybe there's something here that is, you know, working and maybe there's something here that we're doing right. The equation was just, you know, it was all just working out. And so we decided to get our own space and that's how Fun Club uh, which is our experiential learning center, remedial center and library for children that came into being. And then um then it's been a beautiful last, you know, last um, 12 years having, you know, multiple children come join us in that learning journey there at Fun Club.
0: That's incredible. I love it. What is it about children and their view of the world that fascinates you?
1: Oh, they are just the purest souls. Unconditional love, they dish your way so innocent you know and I think that's what makes them so special because they're not judging you they're not judging another child they're so supportive you know in the craziest situations you'll find them suddenly just being there for another child and I think those are things that as adults we need to learn from them on a daily basis I always tell my children that they have taught me so much and they continue to, and uh, more often than me teaching them, I think it's them reminding me, mom, remember, you said this us, and this is what you need to do. Right. So I think um, just the fact that they are so innocent and that unconditional love they give you and want you to be the receiver of all of the good things that they have to share. That's the purest form of love that anyone can experience.
0: Yes, yes, 100%. Now tell us briefly about, you know, the programs that you're working on and, you know, the age groups that you serve.
1: So Kanika, what we do essentially at Fun Club and all of the extended activities that we do mainly focus on the child. All of our programs that we teach or events that we curate for maybe corporate or schools or even our festivals that we curate are all child centric. Uh, We make sure that the child is at the center of anything that we do. And uh, having said that, that means that the activity has to be age appropriate. The activities have to be tried and tested. I vet everything myself before it actually goes out there and children experience any of those activities. We we also have a library. We have a fantastic collection of um, books that I have curated myself and then also lots of authors, you know, in the city and around India as well. Uh, I like to promote our Indian authors because some of them have, you know, written fantastic books. So we have all of their books in the library as well. And we have children come in to us now. Actually, a lot of parents who are children who are just a year old have also started asking us, like, you know, can we just come in and can we hang out? So it's a safe environment. It's a warm environment. Kanika, where parents and children both feel very comfortable to hang around, read a book, um, you know, lounge on the beanbag, um, try the at a magnetic puzzle or, you know, uh, just try playing with sand or different equipment that we have. So we do have children who come to us as young as one year olds and we do program for children up to the age of 10. But a really special thing that started happening a couple of years ago, can uh, we come that? A lot of the older children who then felt, oh, we're too young for fun club, but they still wanted to have a connect with us. You know, uh, started knocking at the door and just peeping in and saying, oh, we just wanted to say hello. So we thought, why not have them in with us? And uh, they actually mentor with us now. So the 12-year-olds wow. during their summer vacations uh, or their Diwali or Christmas vacations actually come in and um, you know, take a class for that. And they and actually get a stipend for that. So in that sense, we still have our older children who sort of graduated, still coming back to us. And my daughters do that as well.
0: Oh, I love it. I think that it's something that can stay with kids from, you know, those early years through right. adolescence, they can give back. And I remember you sharing this, that, you know, it's important for kids to understand that mentorship Where, you know, if they might have been a two or three year old with um, an older mentor, they'll continue that cycle and become one to the next
1: class. That's right. That's right. Yeah, great.
0: Let's talk about some of your very practical strategies that you help parents employ because I think that's the most important thing. You know, sadly we can't have all our kids live with you 247, which would be amazing. (laughs) I would um, because that. yeah, we they have such a, a good time at Fun Club, but we need to make sure that the kind of the the enrichment and the learnings that they get there is something that's also cultivated in the home. How can parents more effectively get their kids to understand and relate to them
1: and and truly yeah. communicate? That's actually a fantastic question, Kanika. Um, you know, being a mom of two and an educator, I'm always trying to balance that myself because just because we um know how to do it doesn't mean it always works. I'm also a mother and I have two girls who are five years apart, and I'm constantly coming up with strategies that can um, you know, help them. Having said that, you know, all children are different. And I think what we need to do is find what works with that one child. It could be a toy that they like. It could be a book that they like. It could be a situation, food, any of that, and then use that to our advantage. When we talk about communicating with our children, I think what's misunderstood most of the time is that we can only do that verbally. Of course, verbal communication is one, but how do we break up that verbal communication for children, right? Is verbal communication apt? pitch? The way we speak, like right now, you and I are talking to each other at a very low pitch because you know we're we're having a conversation and we're, we're enjoying each other's conversation so neither of us has actually really changed our tone or pitch while we speak to each other and I think that is really essential I have been guilty of that in the past but I exercise it more often now where I think parents have to also find a way to sort of get something to work for them right what can you do to remind yourself that you do not need to yell at your child What can you do to remind yourself that you need to have a particular tone and a pitch that you'd like them to use? On I think in today's day and age, we are growing up with children who need answers to everything because they have questions. Why do I have to do that? What is the reason to do this? And telling them that, you know, we didn't ask our parents this when we were growing up doesn't work because it's not the same era that they're growing up in, right? There are multiple ways of communicating with them and, you know, at a level that they understand, which is most essential. We've spoken about verbal communication, but what about non-verbal communication? So, Kanika, do you want to give me any guesses on one way that you can communicate non-verbally with your three bachal?
0: (laughs) I'm thinking this is like (laughs) reminiscent of what I got as a kid. It's like if you get a look where it's like, you know, the parents' (laughs) eyes are just
1: bugging out. (laughs) That means... Whatever you're doing, stop. Yeah, but that's that's a fairly good one. That's a really good one because having eye contact and knowing what that eye contact means is very, very essential for the children and for you as well. Because, you know, there are many times that the eye contact is also used in combination with verbal communication, where then it just defeats its purpose, right? So for us, yes, you're right, very right. The look was more than enough and then we (laughs) knew we had to not cross our boundaries. So also there's this thing about personal space. And when we talk about personal space, generally we don't connected to communication at all but you know if you're too close to your child or or you're further away from them where they can't hear you or they misunderstand what you've said or you're literally in their personal space i think personal space is very very essential because children don't really understand that but they feel it and they realize it when you're in their personal space so i think that's very essential while communicating to children as well also hand gestures you know just to say like you know i understand I'm here for you. You know, I can hear you, but I'd like you to stop and take a moment and see where this conversation is going. So I think if you have this vis-à-vis this and this, it also gets them to calm down and then you can have conversations. Also, it teaches children that, you know, stomping their feet or you know, moving their hands around is not gonna get them the right attention that they need. So I think it's a combination of verbal communication and non-verbal communication that we spoke about right now and finding that balance that works for you as well as for your children.
0: What's your take on, on disciplining children in the first place? I
1: think you have to find the balance in disciplining your children. There's a very thin line in you being a strict and stern parent and an understanding parent while disciplining. You know, I'm not sure if you can see behind me, but you know, this is I'm in my daughter's room, my younger one, and she has lots of things happening there at the back. She is a creative thinker. She likes to bring out a million things outside, and you know, she will take her own sweet time to clear up her room, for example, do things. But how can I make it easier for her to be disciplined and organized in her, you know, in her daily work? So what I've done is, I'm sure you can see, but in the distance, you know, there are tubs. She's got all her colors arranged in rainbow colors. She's got a black, uh, you know, a whiteboard and a marker where she can write things. We chart a lot. If she wants to negotiate, and I use the word negotiate, you know, I let her do that. I let my older one do it as well, because Mm -hmm. I think... um, Getting them to negotiate, and 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 um, I I want to say here that this is not a parent trying to bribe a child. Yeah. Um, there is, certain things should be non-negotiable, like you know brushing your teeth before you go to bed, uh, finishing what's on your plate if you've taken it if you've served yourself. Uh, those things don't even need to be on a chart, right? Because I think those boundaries need to be set right from you know the time the child starts understanding and eating on their own, which is probably a year old, right? But yeah. other things I love to make charts. I'm a very organized person. The household has become a little used to that by now. We have whiteboards in the kitchen. We have it in their rooms. If they need um, something to be done, it needs to be on the track so that they will remember it. If there's something that I feel that I have not communicated well, or there's been a bit of a, you cross over on that boundary with the children, then I like to actually write it down. My older one journals. So that helps us with that. And my younger one also writes and draws, but she likes to use the whiteboard. So I think finding the right balance and just letting children know what they can negotiate and can't, setting those ground rules and then building up from there really, really matters.
0: Yes, yes. I want to talk about cycle breaking because you know we come from a generation where it was very much no nonsense, and right. um, oftentimes they shamed or uh, spanked us. And this day and age, we found how um, ineffective that can be in the long term. You know, break this down for us as to how we break those cycles because now that we're raising our own children, we do have th- those moments where. You want to do exactly what you received when you were a kid.
1: In my school, I had a teacher who taught a particular subject and she would actually hit me on my knuckles. And it happened more than, you know, a couple of times. And, And then when I couldn't take it any longer, I went to my parents. I think back then it took us longer to go to our parents to say something like this is happening because... We clearly grew up in a generation that this, you know, we just respected our parents. And there's a there's also a difference between fear and respecting. But I think we couldn't make that differentiation. Our generation, I don't think, could do that. You yeah. were also scared. You loved your parents. They were very open with you. My, I have, like I said, a wonderful set of parents who, you know, both of them are very supportive. They've been but we just grew up in different times. And now if I even speak to them about it, they're like, you know, my children are like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you know, things yeah. that actually happened, and I am right. like, Yes, we did. And I think those experiences made sure that I kept trying to keep my children, you know, away from that kind of parenting. Though we are all human, you know, we all lose it at times, and we're all trying to, you know, be the perfect parent all the time, trying to discipline in the right way. There are times when, you know, we can lose our control because they're only human. But I think that the most important thing here is that, and I always tell this to all of my parents as well, when they come and say, you know, I can't communicate with my child anymore because they just, you know, because they just feel I'm doing what happened to me when I was a child, right? So I think the key here is to recognize what your child requires and what is the the way that you can communicate with them and then Mm -hmm. get them to understand that. And I think once you understand how your child works, And how their brain functions and how they think and how they um you know they use logic i think that is a big win and i think that's taken me a while with my older one but it was a breeze with my younger one because she just knows she has to brush her teeth and she just knows she has to finish the carrots on her plate if she wants to have xyz happening for her right so like i said earlier certain things are not negotiable but I also make sure I tell them that that's how we were brought up and how strict things were and how lucky they are that their investment now is not like that at all. It's not authoritative at all. My husband and I both give them a year. Um, you know, we listen to them and like, I, like I always tell my older one, I think she gives me way more information than I need sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and
0: then I
1: have, yes. And then I have to say, I don't want to hear so much, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's the advice I always give all the parents is that, you know, try and understand where your child is coming from and explain to them where you came from, because it makes the whole process easier for them. I think then they're more grateful for the life that they are living and the the liberties and, you know, the Mm -hmm. genuine liberties that they have and how privileged they are to be living this life. Because we surely, you know, didn't have so many opportunities to express ourselves, uh, talk about our feelings. You know, tell our parents how I felt about something that they said to us, right? Giving an exam or studying or not watching television. You know, we just listened. We never asked why. This generation is all about, but why do I have to listen to Mm it? Why? this doesn't make sense.
0: I want to get into emotional regulation because I think that's another component of it where, you know, we need their buy-in, but oftentimes we don't get it. And both parties are triggered. You know, let's say a kid doesn't want to go to school that day. They, you know, throw a tantrum in the morning and say, I don't want to go. And parents just get so flustered when we are rushing out of the house. Getting out of the house is a project in itself. You know, when you have small, <laughs> small kids, like getting the shoes on and, you know, let's chop, chop, finish your food and let's go. So if a meltdown happens at that time, I feel like it's even more high stress because they have to right. get there on time. So right. how would you navigate this scenario?
1: Also, Kanika, I hate to burst the bubble, but it doesn't get better to get them out of the house even when they're older. <laughs> 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 it's a very complicated project then but no yes i totally understand and um also are lots of last minute things that completely throw off your plan right before you're getting out and especially if you've got more than one child to get out of that door so as adults we have learned to understand what we're feeling we've um learned to categorize them uh, we've learned to use them to our advantage or maybe disadvantage sometimes when we can't control our emotions right you know, we often find ourselves telling somebody, "Listen, behave yourself, right?" And especially a child, "Can you behave yourself, right?" So right. that's what the child is doing at that moment. The child is behaving like himself. He is yeah. not behaving like what you the expect. Else. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that is 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 literally it's um it's a crazy thing to actually tell a child or tell anybody. And this I only realized in my parenting journey and uh, journey as an educator, honestly, Kanika. I think the most essential part here is to help children to actually accept what they are feeling, to categorize how they feel, and then to actually execute how they would actually act on those feelings. So this is like an emotion wheel. And um, you can see it's actually black and white right now. But, you know, I'm pulling things out of my magic box. It's very famous actually with me and all of the kids. We always pull things out. They don't know what's going to come out next. So I have a little marker here. I love to use a lot of these charts and I love to laminate them, Kanika, because then you can reuse them multiple times with your children. So I'm just going to call them out. Do you want to try and actually read it even though it's mirror? Do you want to try that exercise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to do it through the lens of the child. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, because they're so they're going you, to school. Okay. Could you read that? Yes. It's fear, trust, joy, surprise, sadness, shy, mixed, and anger.
1: Awesome. Good job. <laughs> okay. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It. So this is how we would actually react to a child who's actually accomplished the task because it was not what your brain was expecting, right? This was something else that. You thought would be coming out or I would ask you to do and that's exactly what happens for children right so can you tell me right now Kanika what are you feeling like which one of this describes you and how you're feeling right now I guess I'm feeling shy okay. and mixed all right okay so when you say shy and mixed shy is that do you not want to go to school is that why you're feeling shy Yes,
0: because, you know, it's back to school season, and I don't know which teacher I'm going to have. I'm not sure if my friends are going to talk to me, and I just, I feel like a little
1: apprehensive about it. Okay. So now that's, that's you trying to explain it, and that's what's going on in your child's head, but our children can't articulate like us. And so that's why when you said mixed, right? Mm. So what I'm going to do is what we ask the children to do is I'm going to actually color it in, okay? And the reason I've taken the red marker is because red, you know, like we say, a red flag, it's anger, it's not a color that we use for calmness or for something that we're liking. We would use different colors. And so I'm going ahead and then we would say, okay, can you just color it in, right? And Mm. sometimes the child is just going to go, Right. They can stab it. um, They can go into the other one. And then when you said mixed, they're going to go. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah, And that's probably how it's going to look. Right. But you can see that they've tipped over into the other one. And that shows sadness. Right. And Mm. this is very capable of happening with your child. So this is them trying to tell you what this mixed is. That I'm also sad because I'm not sure if I'm going to be accepted. In the new school, there's a particular child who might get after me. People may judge me. But again, children don't know how to articulate and categorize these emotions in their head. And okay. so what we're doing with the emotion chart is we're helping them do that, right? Okay. So when you talk about mixed, so again, as a child, can you tell me what are your mixed feelings? And here is when we actually give them the vocabulary for that, right? So are you anxious? Do you feel a little something in your tummy? And do you have a headache or is it just um, butterflies in your stomach? What do you think is happening right now?
0: Yeah, I think, I think I'm feeling anxious about it. And that's why I don't want to go.
1: Right. And so more often than, um, Kanika, it's all in the brain, right? Mm. So symptoms of them saying every day when they are getting in, when they wake up, they don't have that pain. But when they're about to get out and get into the back, my stomach hurts. You know, I'm feeling boozy and I'm not shatting and I'm not feeling great. And that happens every day. And that's at the core. Because that is what the brain is giving the signal to the rest of the body. And I think when we say let's train the brain, this is one of the most important things where we have to teach children to regulate their emotions. And how do they do that? They will do that only if they know what they're feeling, right? You know, after that, I bring another color out. And I say, okay, can you tell me when you come back, how are you going to feel? Okay, so I'm going to show this to you again. And once you come back, how will you feel, Kanika?
0: Well, now that I've spoken about it, I feel lighter.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, hey, listen, that's a great word. And we don't have that here. Can I add it here? Do you think I can add it to your emotion wheel? Oh, wow. Yeah, sure. All right. So I think I'm going to put it with joy. Can I put it with joy? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so what happens is in the blank spaces, children are going to come up with how they're feeling, and these are the basic emotions that we feel. But all of them are also extensions of everything else that we feel. For example, when we say trust and joy comes mm. together, yes, trust and joy actually leads to friendship, or actually leads to love, or actually leads to acceptance, and when we we do this regularly. And like I said about anything, it has to be consistent. We have to see it through. Like Mm -hmm. any bad habit takes seven days to develop or break. We have to try something for the long run. And this is actually fun. You know, you can take this to the next level. You can do hearts, you can do angry faces, you can do smiley faces, uh, you can do the sun uh, for happy, for joyful. There's no one way to use this. I think educators and parents should just use this in their own way. And you'll be surprised that children will come up with their own ways to actually use this chart. So I think this is something that really works well for children to understand and regulate and be able to categorize how they're feeling. And that in the long run really helps them then, because then they know how they're feeling. And the next step after this, Kanika, is to get them to understand the consequences of their behavior, right? So if you have say another sibling going to you with school in the morning, right? So yes, I understand how you're feeling right now. But you also have to understand that it's not only you going to school, it's also your sister going to school. And if we get late, she gets late too. It's You reach late to class, you reach late too. If you miss something out, she does it too. And here's when we try and bring the empathy and the compassion and the sense of, you know, being in a group, um, the sense of supporting each other, especially when it's younger and older, to say that, you know, when we work together as a group, we all are successful, it's easier. That then really makes a difference as well. So I think um, a couple of these strategies, you know, always help. And, And like I said, doing it at their level, giving them the vocabulary to express themselves is the most important thing. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. I love it. Oh, my goodness. I, I think it's so uh, eye opening for not only the children, but the parents, because we're really not in our bodies as much as we're in our head. And so you're really helping Thanks. us name, claim and tame Right. the emotions like that. that, yes, that are negative <laughs> and embrace the ones that are positive.
1: So that's really, really- Yeah, important. and also, I think, Anika, it's also important to understand and respect the negative emotions that children have or even we have as adults, right? Mm-hmm. Because we tend to we tend to shove them under the carpet and say, hey, listen, no, this is not something. But I think you need to address both. It's nice to also let them know that mom is not feeling great about this. And it's not something that I'm happy about. And uh, though I do respect how you're feeling and how can we both work towards, you know, a happier space and a more conducive space. So we also have lots of things that we like to give to them in their hands. Because anything hands-on, today, if we are trying a new recipe, you can watch it all you want on YouTube. You can play it in your head a million times. But only if you actually get into the kitchen and Follow the recipe, you know, step by step, use the method, the same ingredients, try it over and over again, and then you're going to get it, right? Right. So, right. Um, that's thinking with children as well. So, getting them to do something and do uh, the process, to complete the process and see it to its end, I think is very important. And, like they say, practice makes perfect. It, it is not the easiest thing to do. But if we do that every day, you know, I have a couple of things here that I, I like, I made this with my children. I'm, I wish you could actually feel this, but you can actually yeah. do this. It's just—it's really simple. It's a balloon. Can you uh-huh. guess what's inside?
0: I mean, it looks like putty. How did you make it into putty?
1: So it's actually just rice. Rice? rice. Oh <laughs> wow!
0: Okay. So oh my gosh! How fun! Open.
1: Yeah. So like, you know, when we when we were in the midst of COVID, right? We did a lot of classes on Playdate online. And we pivoted to online during COVID and the biggest struggle for the parents doing our online classes and wanting to do our class over another class was that they didn't need materials. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't need to go hunting and ordering things on Amazon to do a class with us, right? Uh, that was our biggest USB. And, and when we cracked that, that was like the best thing that we could do. One was that we, we got the parents not to be stressed about anything yes right?
0: yes oh I love it anything that's just an easy buy-in we're there that's right.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, so we did a lot of things like this where these are just balloons and these became squishies okay this squishy was actually invented by my younger one who are actually just playing one day and putting things into balloons and you can literally put anything into a balloon okay so we've got some at Sun Club that we use that look like these okay so uh-huh. this is a little teapot uh we've oh, got how like, cute. Cute oh my gosh how yeah, did you make uh, the teapot one? Oh wow you just stuck a lid on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know what we also do is give the kids like little uh, markers um little googly eyes you can turn them into happy faces sad faces if you can see behind me I've got little baskets that we put into Vidima's room and they're little tubs you know when she's really upset and we do this at fun club a lot we have little boxes or jars you can take jars you can take cereal boxes get them to paint them color them and then we actually put all of the emotions on all of these boxes and then get the kids to actually you know go ahead and put them in so you're helping them to actually place their emotions in a particular place and say hey listen let's leave this here for a while and see if we can jump to the next one so it's very yes. tangible. And I think anything that is tangible that children can touch, feel, understand, is right in front of them, makes the process easier for them to understand. So this one has rice, like I told you, you can't even mm. make out. Yeah. And this is something that the children can do with you, right? Of course, they may need assistance. You know, you can be the one pulling the balloon apart, and then they can put things in. You can put obese, you can put clay dough, you can put um, you know, your flour and a little bit of water, you can put only water. But it's a great way of them just, you know, removing their frustrations on this and then saying, hey, listen, now I'm done with this. I'm not feeling this emotion anymore and I'm going to just dump it into that box. Um, oh so God. I think, brilliant. Yeah. What do you think that is? It looks like um, slime. Yeah, so this is not jelly. It's not slime. It's not call. It's not blue. It's something that we call, uh, you know, it's it's root. Um, okay. And ayah has a really, really great element to it because it becomes really cold and if you put it in a warm room it will feel warm Um, Uh and and so when we put this in so this particular one we did because we had watermelon day a couple of days ago at fun club and everything was about watermelons right (laughs) um and um so this was one of the squishies we did but of course we put it into a bag and we use this a lot to get children to calm down Um, Mm -hmm. It's also very effective for eye-hand coordination, for them to do their counting, for them to get a lot of exercise for their wrist and their hands, which again leads to good uh, writing skills. You know, I'm just going to hold it. I hope I can do this here. And we try and make the face, right? So if you squish it around, can you see now? It has a little circle. Yeah. So one of the children actually did this. And I said, why is one eye straight and one eye? They said, they're winking now. Okay. so <laughs> and I said, okay, so the mood changed. And then they try and put the rest of them to get a smiley. And one child actually just went and that was it. And then you realize that, you know, they are feeling something and they're moving it on this. You know, I rather mm-hmm. have children express themselves on a bag filled with a mixture that they can maneuver their way. This is in their control. And this is how they are telling you how they are feeling, right? Because what they do with this bag is what you should realize what they're feeling. Because like I said, anything that they cannot control makes children very uneasy. And this is something that they can control. The way they express themselves is what they can control. It's just us having to let them know that there's a way that they need to regulate that and what is okay and what's not okay. So I think these are a couple of things that you know, even our, uh, moms out there or dads out there, we have a lot of dads who ask for advice and just pop into fun club and want to know what was that particular activity that you did. <laughs> and of course, the children who come to fun club, we always send it home and we send a little note to them so that the parents know how to, you know, reuse those things. How to have sand. Sand is one of the most amazing things that you can introduce your child to. And uh, if you fear that they're going to put them in their mouth, you can use semolina, which we say suji. Um, yes. You can roast it. You can roast it, put it into a bag, boxes, bottles, whatever you like. A great activity for mindfulness, again, to regulate their emotions, just to calm them down, to get them to um, listen to their own heartbeat, to just, you know, concentrate on an activity, you know. Wow. wow. Oh, oh I, so love I love it. So we just watching how the sand moves again you can add a stuff I use this as an emotion bag all the time so you can have different things from pom-poms to Orbeez and everything and say okay so how am I feeling I'm going to keep putting things into my bag right and sometimes the bag just fills up yes <laughs> and yeah. then you're like, okay now how can we empty out all of this you know load on our head I don't think I am this on my head so you know, just dramatizing it with the children, trying to explain to them how you can bottle up everything, how you can just open it all up and take it out, talking to someone else, sharing with somebody else helps. And that's how, you know, we use different techniques for them to get them to actually talk about how they're feeling.
0: Yes, yes. Oh, that's excellent. And can you kind of dive into bullying and any strategies that we can use? to talk about it, prevent it when it's happening at home or in the school?
1: That's actually a very relevant um, question, Tanika, because I think that bullying happens at every level. You know, we generally use to talk about bullying and ragging in colleges, but as much as we know children are innocent and, you know, really caring and empathetic, They can also mirror a lot of behavior that they see around them. It could be at their home. It could be in the school bus. It could be another child's parent. And children don't actually understand what they're doing. They are more often just mirroring somebody else's way of talking or um, disciplining. So sometimes, just to give you an example, we had a case which is very close to me personally, where this child was constantly being bullied at school. Actually, she was a very popular child and their bullying was happening because everybody wanted her in her group, in her tribe, in her desk, um, at her lunch uh, uh, bench. And uh, what happened is that even though this child was really popular, one of those children who everybody wanted to be around was getting pushed around. And what happened in the bargain is that this child was, you know, cornered by all groups in her classroom. And um they were actually doing mean things. And sometimes children tend to be mean. You know, we always say that children can't and they're like they because only because they don't understand what they're doing, right? And I think sometimes there are parents who say, Hey, listen, if this child isn't playing with you, no matter don't worry about it, go play with somebody else. And you know, or oh, that one has this story, you should go play with her more. It's also a lot of what they get from us. Sometimes domestic help, can you come in a in a place, especially in India now? where we have the liberty of having two, three, four nannies sometimes. You know, some parents have a nanny for each child. Yeah. It could be twins and they still have two nannies walking around. And those nannies may not be, you know, on the same page as you in terms of parenting or speaking. And then that child will go out and do the exact same thing outside. So I think in terms of bullying, it's very, very essential to be in tandem with the school and to ha- make sure that your child has that confidence and that channel of communication going with you where they are able to express and tell you this is what's going on. Of course, it takes time. Any child who has even the best rapport with you is going to take a couple of days. But there are signs that we can look out for. Right. Yeah. Um, one is what you mentioned earlier, Kanika, is that the child just doesn't want to go to school. That could be that. Or the favorite class suddenly the child doesn't want to go to. Or the best friend that the child suddenly doesn't want to play with. So these are all signs. And I think as parents and educators, we need to look out for those signs. And sometimes those signs are right there, right in our face, and we miss them. But if you see a pattern happening for more than two days, I would say that's the red flag for you. For example, if my daughter who loves to play with her friend every day suddenly says, hey, listen, I don't want to meet her anymore. And, you know, she's being mean to me. I don't think that, you know, she needs to be my friend anymore. But why? You know, is there something that happened? And that's right. when we can start talking about it, you know, give her a piece of paper, let her draw it, talk about it. I think, you know, we need to be equipped with lots of tools to facilitate that for our child so that they have a, you know, ready communication channel and uh, looking out for, like I said, those red flags is very, very essential. And then obviously we need to, we and you know, sometimes we say we don't want to be a part of that conversation with another mom. But I think you should know when you should be having that conversation with that other mom. There are certain times where I think we should let our children fight their own battles, But I think when it gets out of hand, then it's important for us to first go to the school if it's happening at school or to the extracurricular teacher or the camp teacher. But then if that doesn't help, then I think it is OK for one mom to talk to the other mom, because sometimes it's not the intention of the other child as well. They're just mirroring you know, another behavior of another person. More exactly. You.
0: exactly. Right. No, that, that right. makes sense. And then switching gears, I wanted to talk about creating a healthy digital environment for the kids, right. because we all know that screen time has become just so prevalent in our lives. And right. I mean, even as parents, we're so guilty of being attached to our phones. So right. how can we create some boundaries for the family where we, you know, don't get so sucked in?
1: So you know, one thing I love to say is "monkey see, monkey do." <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, whether it's uh, inculcating a good reading habit or to break the habit of digital devices, I think what we do and how we um, behave and how we act in front of our children is exactly what they're going to do. I have a constant fight with my husband on this because he doesn't have one phone; he has three, and then oh, he constantly on it. And it's at the dining table, and it's by his bedside when they're sleeping. And then how do you tell a child to put their gadgets away, right? So I have a couple of rules. And yes, here, I have rules. So, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I um, had the opportunity of writing a guest column for Hindustan Times on uh, digital, on parenting on the in the digital age, sorry. You know, there are a couple of things that, uh, you know, I had put down in that article that I think really works or should work for parents. One is definitely laying some ground loons down where no devices first thing in the morning because genuinely that is not good for your brain your brain seeks the distraction the minute it sees things in motion right why do we like to watch television why do we want to watch a cartoon and this is scientifically proven I have done for the last two years a little bit of research on the brain and how it's changing its structure constantly Kanika and I think that all the books that I've read and all the information that I've collected all circles down to the fact that the brain actually then seeks that distraction. So it's very important to also state facts to the children. And in this age of, I will Google it, Uh, let them Google that one thing for five minutes and then find out if, you know, what you're saying is right or no. Um, The other thing is that, like I said, rules, I I like to put, again, I love to put charts and I love to write things down. So we do have uh, these charts that we use even at Fun Club. And I've, you know, helped a lot of parents with it as well. We have it at home as well. Where Where is that space in your house that you cannot use the gadget, right? And that is not negotiable. And there has to be a consequence to that. It could be um, you're the one who's clearing the dishes today. You're the one who's cleaning the dishes today if you don't adhere to that, right? So one definite space is a dining table because, you know, in our Indian Ayurveda, how do we eat? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to eat with all our senses, right? And if you're on a gadget, there goes all of your concentration on the senses, right? So no gadgets at the dining table, no gadgets at um, bedtime, you have to read. So that means we have to, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and research shows that whatever you read uh, or whatever you talk about or experience the first half an hour, 20 minutes before you sleep is what you're going to think of your subconscious and that's how you're going to wake up in the morning, right? At that time as well, no gadgets while waking up because that's definitely not good for our brain. So, certain rules need to be laid down. And I think giving them options, it's easier to say, you know, it's like how when a child we feel misbehaves, it's the behavior that needs correction, it's not the child. Mm. And, and that's very, very important because we often say, good girl, good, good girl, like good boy. What does that even yeah. mean? You know, right. I am a right. good child. It's just that right now I'm feeling like a mix of emotions and I'm I'm behaving in a certain way. So I think it's very important to also acknowledge and let children know that it's the behavior that we want to be corrected and not them because then that's what leads to low self-esteem and confidence and they're not happy about who they are and we definitely right. don't want that happening. Uh, do you think we can have family um, game night, right? We have family <laughs> game night and family movie night where I prefer them to watch it on the big screen vis-à-vis on their laptops or iPad. So just having options for them to go to instead of this, because just saying, hey, listen, I want you to stop watching or I want you to put your phone down. Even for so us, sometimes it's difficult, right? Something I do with my younger one a lot, and it works like a charm, is why I said, you come up with how much time you think you can do. So she said, two hours. And I said, okay, let's negotiate. So it's come down to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And she puts a timer on her iPad. When it buzzes, she has to put it off. If she uh... doesn't, then she does it the next day. So I think it's very essential and important for us to also ask them what those rules are so that it's come from them. And then there's no, you know, there's no negotiating that.
0: Right, Um, right,
1: right. Making them a part of the entire process again, uh, getting them to put the ground rules down and say, hey, listen, you were the one who came up with this in the first place. So, you know, you've got to adhere to it. Again, cooking with them, baking with them, uh, gardening with them. You know, I, I I do that very often. I We've planted chilies and tomatoes and potatoes. Some things went wrong, some things didn't, but then at least that's something to look forward to, right? Every day, yeah. uh, that's distracting them and giving them that much time to think about something else. Right, I think it's right. a, that's our duty to actually give them another option because you can't just tell them, don't do that. It doesn't work. That's so, uh, that's so enlightening.
0: I love it. Let's go back to your motherhood journey. So tell us um, a mom sense moment that you've had, one where you kind of blindly trusted that intuition.
1: Being an educator, I have a lot of weight on my shoulders. Even my husband doesn't question what I'm doing for the children or what classes they're doing. Of course, he does have a great part to play. He's always saying, hey, listen, can they try this and can they try that? So I decided to move both my children out of a school that they were in. It was a fab school. Uh, you know, my older one was there till grade seven. Um, my younger one did two years, three years then. And then of course COVID hit and things changed. But I just felt that both of them needed something else in life. They needed yeah. another environment. They needed another push. Not saying that that school is not a great school. It was a, it was a good school for us. It's a good school for many children now. Lots of children flourishing there. But I don't think that worked uh, was working out for my children and that was a very difficult decision to make and especially during COVID uh, because mm-hmm. everybody was just like oh but anyway you don't know what a school's going to do because everything is online and you know some teachers are able to do it some aren't so you can't make a correct assessment of what's happening in schools but mm-hmm. I did and that was just a gut feeling you know you know that gut feeling when you know that you're doing something right Of obviously it comes with that anxiety and anxiousness of oh my god have I made the right decision But a year later, it was the best decision I could have made for both of them because they're both, I think, turning into the human beings that I would have seen them turning into and and all of the experiences that they have got, both good and bad. I think that in hindsight, I think that was the right decision to make. And I'm, I'm so relieved, if I can use that word, and grateful that it did work out because that was entirely my decision. And I did actually ask them if they were okay with it. They had to think about it and they did. And they said, yes. And that's when I took the decision.
0: Amazing. Tell us, is there a quote or a mantra that you live by?
1: You know, my grandfather always said that if you do something, do it with your whole heart, you know, do it in a way that you are not cheating yourself, it could be mm-hmm. any small or big task, and don't think you can't do anything and the only person stopping you from achieving your dreams or your aspirations or your goals in life is you because there will be a hundred obstacles, there will be a hundred excuses that come up. It's up to you to be able to see it to the end it's it, It's up to you to be able to accomplish and achieve that goal because nobody else can do it with you and I think That's what I try and tell my girls every day as well, that, you know, you can't blame somebody else for something that you couldn't achieve or you couldn't see through.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
1: that would be that. Yeah, that would
0: be it. Excellent. Well, this wraps up our interview. Where can my listeners uh, find you and take your classes?
1: So I am on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. We have a page called Rachna's Fun Club on Instagram as well. And mine is Rachna Narvekar. Parents can find me there. You can DM me. Um, We also have an email ID and um, a link actually, which maybe um, you can share, Kanika, with your listeners. Um, Yes,
0: yes. I'm going to link to um, Rachna's page on Playdate. And um, using that, you get a special discount and... You can log into this virtual platform anywhere. So you don't have to be India-based. You can be in the US, UK, Canada to take her virtual classes.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Kanika, when you say anywhere, uh, you know, during COVID, that's what we did do. And also because I am a coach for children with learning difficulties, we do a lot of remedial work. And we've done a lot of successful uh, remedial classes for children online who are not physically present in the same city as me. That was a big thing for me that it worked because, you know, there's some connect that I'm able to make with children. And I am so grateful for that because it takes me probably 15 minutes into a conversation with a child, even if it's online. And there've been so many success stories there, which all there on Playdate as well to experience and watch parents can reach me there as well. And I would love to have a chat with them. Amazing.
0: Rashna, you are such a joy. Thank you so much for illuminating us with all your wisdom and practical strategies that we can employ. I feel even more confident as a parent in how to relate to my children after meeting you. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Kanika. You made this entire process really easy, though, I have to say. <laughs> you have uh, you have such a beautiful ability to put the other person at ease. I think get the best out of the person you're talking to. I have experienced that in your earlier podcast as well. So thank you so much for being such a wonderful host. And uh, I had a really great time talking to you today. Thank you so much.
0: Wasn't my interview with Rachna Narvekar so enlightening mm-hmm. I had no idea that there's so many tactical changes we can make at home, and especially using visual guides when we want to help with our kids' emotional regulation, disciplining, and just finding ways to connect. Rachna, thanks so much for all your tricks of the trade. I can't wait to see you in Bombay and come visit your brick-and-mortar location, Fun Time with Rachna. And I want to give a big shout out to Anaga and the PR team on getting a link set up on Playdate. So if you are interested in doing a virtual session with Rachna, you can be anywhere in the world and she's catered to families, of course, in India, but in the US, UK, Singapore, Australia, you name it, you can log on to our very own link and I'm including it in the show notes. So it is actually https colon double backslash rzp.io backslash l backslash rachna narvekar and i know it's a little hard to note down so make sure to log on to that's total mom sense.com look for rachna's episode which you can find using the search tool and that's where her link is. And you will be getting a discount on Playdate. So definitely avail that. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review That's Total Mom Sense Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I have a guide on the site that can help you. And if you have suggestions for show topics or guests I should have on the show, email me at Sense at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram where I'm most active at Kanika Chaddha and on YouTube. Just type in my name and you will find YouTube shorts, highlights, all the different videos of the episodes I put out each week. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's total mom sense.